Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next iteration of the Cisco Tax Security Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about finding your firepower, and we're going to go into a little more detail in a moment about what that really means. But first, I'd like to go ahead and introduce a special guest that we have today, Ben Ritter. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. Ben is joining us because as we talk about finding your firepower today and the different products that we're going to be discussing, Ben is going to be our subject matter expert from the firepower side as he uh, came in with the SourceFire acquisition from Cisco uh, a couple years back. Also today, we have Jay Johnston, as Hello. you guys know very well. Hello, Jay. Hello. How's it going? Doing well, thanks. Excellent. And we also have our Magnus Mortensen to round out our technical leader team. Hello, Magnus. Hello. I think I'm still jet-lagged, but I'll make it. So Jay and Magnus just returned from Cisco Live last week. So before we dive into the Finding Your Firepower subject of today, we are going to give Magnus and Jay just a few minutes to give us a little recap of what they experienced last week at Cisco Live and uh, anything that's top of their mind after sure. that experience. Uh, Cisco Live was at Las Vegas this year. It was very hot. Extremely hot. Got up to 109 degrees. Pointlessly hot. Um, and so we were there to do some uh, talks. I had a breakout session with about 230 people. We talked about troubleshooting ASA, but it was like classic ASA, right? Like The legacy know. ASA. Yeah, but the good thing about that is if you know how to troubleshoot the ASA sort of data path stuff, then you know how to do clustering. You know how to troubleshoot the basics for source fire, at least as far as um, you know the ASA underneath and forwarding the traffic is concerned, and firepower threat defense as well. So, um, so that was good. It went fine. All our talks went well. We did two labs. That was okay, too. Um, we... Uh, what else we do? We we, we, went we, to we did a bunch of other things. So world of Solutions. World of Solutions. Um, you probably saw maybe on our Facebook page, yes. Jay and myself talking about the Cisco CLI analyzer, so which I must admit, we, we pedal that everywhere we get a chance. And people love it. So if you haven't seen a video, if you want to see two guys goof around and talk a little bit about a fantastic piece of software, hit up our Facebook page. It'll be in the show notes and all that kind of stuff. But uh, aside from doing that, we recorded a couple episodes while we were out there. Yeah, we got two episodes uh, that have to do with ICE and one on... VPN, which was hosted by Jay Young. I haven't even listened to the episode Yeah, I have, yet, I have so. no idea what they talked about. They called it like cryptographic memories or some weird, some weird and beautiful title. You let those VPN guys take control, man. It just gets, it's strange and highly secure very yeah. quickly. So no, it was good, Kevin. Um, uh, we're, we're glad. And I know you're going to be leaving soon to go down to Rio. Tell everybody about that. That is correct. And I don't even know if I introduced myself at the beginning of this Tell thing. Tell people who you are. Yeah. But my name is Kevin Klaus. I work here with Ben, Jay, and Magnus in the TAC for several years now. Um, and as Jay just mentioned, I will be heading down as part of a small uh, sort of tiger team that we have supporting the Rio 2016 Olympics. So we're going to be working on lots of different technologies. Obviously, myself, uh, I will be part of the security team. So we're going to assist the telecommunications company down there, making sure that the network that's been built to uh, transmit all the broadcast and games data stays up and online and insecure. So that should be very interesting, uh, especially with all the Brazil stuff in the news lately. Yeah. But well, I'll tell you, man, I'm going to be live streaming that from my desk up here. And if any, if I lose a single packet, I'm calling your cell phone. Yeah, sounds good. I'm blaming it on you and the firewalls. I'll make Just sure not like to give everybody you my... does. <laughs> I'll be sure to give you my new number that I have down there. First zero, thing zero, when zero. I land. Your zero, burner zero. phone. That yeah, you'll have. I'm going to have a few of those. So, uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks for sharing with us a little bit about Cisco Live. Uh, we're excited about the subject for today. Uh, I appreciate, Ben, you joining us today. And uh, what we're going to be doing, just to give you a quick overview before we jump into the specific topics, is, as you guys know, the subject of today's show is finding your firepower. And really what we're going to do is go over the different firepower-labeled products that Cisco has. 
we've got four on the on the docket for you today. We've got their old, the Firepower 7000, 8000 series appliances that came in with the SourceFire acquisition a couple years back. You know, you got your ASA running Firepower services as a module. We have the Firepower 9300 and 4100 series platforms that run the FXOS operating system. And then last but not least, we've got the Cisco Firepower Threat Defense started in version 6.0. We've got some other versions that have recently come out, 6.01 and 6.1. We're going to talk about these four products what the use cases are, what they mean, what the differences mean for you. We're going to talk about some troubleshooting nuances and some gotchas that you'll want to look out for um, as part of this show. So before we jump into those products, though, I'd like to go ahead and kind of ask a question to Ben here. Uh, for traditional ASA users, uh, tell me a little bit about why someone would want to add the firepower functionality on top of what the ASA already does. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I think that's a really good segue. Uh, you know, the, the ASAs have a really a, a tried and true market, and many customers have, you know, learned to love the ASA over many years, and it's got a very large install base. But um, around the time of the Firepower acquisition, you can definitely tell where Cisco was trying to fill in uh, some of the shortcomings at mm-hmm. that time. So The CX module we all know and love. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, so... You know, the, the biggest thing that people think of when they think of source fire is IPS. And that's really uh, the roots of firepower. Um, it started out with Snort, which uh, is an open source project started by Marty Rush. And they built this whole uh, environment or company around Snort. From there, it grew. And by adding firepower to your ASA, you can also add in the capability of doing things like URL filtering, SSL decryption. You can do some user identity integration, so you can write policies to do user enforcement. And that feature I know exists also on the ASA, but we have a little bit different way of doing it. Uh, The other thing is we have a very rich uh, environment of application visibility and control. So we have a whole bunch of uh, libraries built which allow us to inspect the packets and look really deep into the traffic and classify traffic a lot more granularly than you could on the ASA. You know, this goes as deep as perhaps not just uh, selecting Facebook, but Facebook chat is an example, or Facebook games. So uh-huh. you can differentiate those network applications and make policy decisions based on that. At a much higher layer. Okay. Than, say, so, okay. okay, so if I want to allow Facebook chat but not Facebook games, for example, that's something that I can do with the Firepower functionality on top of the ASA? That's correct, and it's something you can do pretty easily with... Um, our Firepower Management Center, uh, all by means of a a graphical user interface where you can write your access control policy. So we'll discuss that a little bit later. So yeah, and I think uh, one important point is that um, the easiest way, I guess, if you have an existing ASA, um, to add the Firepower Source Fire capabilities is via a module that you install, either a software or hardware module. And that takes the same architecture, you know, the communication there as we've had in the past with our classic Cisco IPS as well as mm-hmm. um, content security control module back in the day. And the CX um, module. CX module, mm-hmm. that's right. So um, integrating this technology, you know, at least at the very start of it was very trivial because it was just another module you would do, uh, install on the system, and it would leverage our existing like modular infrastructure to get traffic from the ASA up into that module and then back down. So Right. And we will talk more about the uh, intricacies and the differences in the infrastructure as we move through these different topics as well. But that's a great point, Jay. Um, so what else? Is there file protection or, or anything else that Firepower does? Exactly. Yeah, there's one other feature which has taken off and has been very popular recently. And that's the ability to, to create a file policy, which will 
look at traffic as it's transiting the module, you say if it's in your ASA, and if there's a download of a file over a protocol such as HTTP, FTP, SMTP, we will actually download that file and analyze it. And we can talk about that in a little more depth. But effectively what happens is we can, first of all, just do a real quick cursory check to see if we've seen the file before, and we do that with checksumming. And if we haven't, depending on how you configure your policy, we can actually send that up to uh, Cisco's malware cloud to actually perform a live analysis of the, the file. Very cool. Very cool. So just as a quick recap, so what you're saying for traditional ASA users listening to this episode, you get things like IPS, URL filtering, SSL decryption, user identity, application visibility and control, and then your, the file policy and network amp as you were talking about. That's correct. Fantastic. So uh, that is more geared towards those of you who were coming from the, the AS, Cisco ASA side of things who are used to the, the firewall, core firewall functionality. Um, so for, for those of you who are coming more from the source fire side or who maybe use the 7000, 8000 series appliances running the, the firepower code there, uh, why do you need the ASA portion? And I'll just go very quickly into uh, the answer to that. And that is that when when Cisco acquired SourceFire a couple of years ago, they were just starting to really implement the core firewalling functionality into the product. So you've got your, your normal stateful firewalling, you've got your deep packet inspection, you've got network address translation or NAT. Um, of course, your, your inbound outbound ACLs. And then last but not least, you've got things like dynamic routing, uh, EIGRP, OSPF, et cetera, that you want to run as an IGP peering with uh, some of your other routing. In fact, we actually have BGP now on the ASA side. So what has happened here is after Cisco has acquired SourceFire, there's been sort of a merging of these code bases, taking the best of both worlds and either layering them on top of each other or, as you'll see uh, with Firepower Threat Defense, actually combining them into one product. There's also a couple things to mention is that, um, you know, SourceFire users uh, that run on top of an ASA are going to be getting other features such as fail, uh, VPN, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, our really robust uh, AnyConnect uh, and site-to-site VPN tunnels, um, they'll get that functionality as well as uh, failover, right, which is extremely popular in the ASA world, and now clustering. So those, you know, they would pick up if they implemented uh, SourceFire on top of an ASA. So it really is, yeah, the best of both worlds with the ASA sort of down there at layer four and down doing what it does best, and then SourceFire layers five and above, which is which is pretty cool. Exactly. And it's a great way to, to segment it because the ASA scales very well for stateful firewalling, mm-hmm. and it allows the, the firepower module to focus on doing the higher-level application inspection. Absolutely. Wonderful, guys. Well, uh, as we prepare to transition into the, examining these four different products that, we're, that we've uh, mentioned a little bit earlier in the program, we want to just cover some release notes very quickly. Uh, as you guys may or may not know, the FX, FXOS excuse me, version 201 posted just a few weeks ago in June, and uh, Firepower Threat Defense 6.1 is now available as well. And uh, we just want to touch on a few key pieces of functionality that are now available as part of those releases. Uh, in FTD 6.1, we now have on-box management. For some of the ASA uh, lower-end platforms, that's the 5512, 5515, uh, all the way up to the 5545-X models. Those will feature an on-box management capacity so that you do not have to spin up a firepower management center in your environment. And 5506 and 5508. Right, as well as the, the low-end models. The uh, So 5506 all the way up to 5545 
uh, we'll we'll have the Onbox management option. So that's great for 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 those of you who may not have a dedicated uh, virtual infrastructure or uh, may not otherwise want to spin up a, uh, a firepower management center in your environment. So we also have the ability for site to site VPN. Uh, this is something that as we are merging uh, the code bases uh, in FTD 6.1, you now have some VPN functionality that is uh, currently site to site, not the remote access quite yet. Uh, so for FXOS 2.201, we've got fail to wire functionality, which is something that a lot of our customers are really excited about um, and is something that is required to run what we call hardware bypass mode uh, for the firepower threat defense platform. So, uh, we're not going to go into those products and releases too much more in detail. We just wanted to highlight that uh, since those are some new developments with these products that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, and this episode is being taped um, summer of 2016. So very quickly, we will have more releases with more versions out the door. So by the time you listen to this, uh, we may be a couple versions on down the line. But the goal of this episode, like Kevin said, is to give you the overview and the basics of um, what these things, different deployment methods are, and the hardcore like troubleshooting tips you would need to to make the most of them. So, absolutely. So we're going to dive into the sort of the meat of the podcast for today. And uh, again, as I mentioned, we've got four products. We've got the Firepower 7000-8000 series appliance is the first one. We've got your ASA with Firepower services that many people are already running out in those environments. And then we have the Firepower 9300-4100 series FXOS platforms that we'll talk about third. And then lastly, we have the Firepower threat defense platform, and we'll go into more detail on those one by one. So getting us going here today on these different platforms, uh, as we talk about things like what the code runs, what some use cases are, you know, maybe some models, how we manage them, gotchas, and then some key troubleshooting uh, things you need to keep in mind uh, that may differ from the other ones, uh, the other platforms as uh, as you go to troubleshoot the module. So diving into the Firepower 7000-8000 series appliances, uh, we'll turn it over to Ben and let him give you the rundown on that. Excellent. Thanks, Kevin. So the, the first model that we're going to talk about is the Firepower uh, 7000 and 8000 series sensors. These were actually designed and created prior to the acquisition, and this is something that Cisco has decided to continue making uh, just because it fits and works so well for so many customers. So the 7 and 8000 series sensors operate as a bump in the wire, effectively, um, most deployments don't deploy them as routers or switches, but rather uh, elect to receive a packet on one interface, inspect it, render a disposition on it, and then copy it back out the other interface. Is that the most popular deployment strategy for that customers are using? It's not to span a copy of the packet over to it. It's actually to put it in line? That's okay. correct. Uh, yeah, we've, we've matured beyond IDS and, you know, fixed a lot of the issues that were early and you know, outage-causing issues, which were very common with many uh, IPSs in the early days. And uh, as Snort has matured over the years, it's much more common to see many customers deploy it in the uh, IPS model, meaning we are bumping the wire as opposed to receiving a, a passive copy of the packet. Okay. Now, one question I have on that. Uh, when you say bumping the wire, I know for a fact that some of you guys here listening with the ASA background, you know, with ASA transparent mode, we think of that as VLAN uh with that, you know, joining different VLANs. So uh, bridging a VLAN, VLAN 1 to VLAN 2 or VLAN 10 to 20, et cetera. When you say a bump in the wire in the firepower world, do you mean doing the VLAN bridging or do you mean the actual layer 1 connectivity? I mean actual layer 1 connectivity. So we do not actually uh, have a, a way of translating from one VLAN to another 
in an inline set. And an inline set is just a fancy way of saying two interfaces uh, where we will receive traffic on one, inspect it, and copy it out the other. So we don't have a way of doing that. And one of the reasons why is if you want to bypass the sensor or for whatever reason the sensor loses power, we want the sensor to be able to fail open uh, under some deployments if that's how you've configured it. And if we are copying or changing the VLAN headers, uh, that won't work. So, and, and thank you for clarifying that. That's something that I, I've actually learned relatively recently here. Because for those of you who've used Cisco IPS or, or ASA in the past, when you think of transparent or bump in the wire, you're probably thinking of bridging VLANs. Whereas that's actually what, switched mode uh, in the firepower world, which is far less common than what Ben is describing as the bump in the wire. That's correct. And, it, and if power is lost to the box, we can maintain that connectivity? We can. Now, uh, there are a couple caveats with this, and when you deploy it, you should make sure that you test everything before you go into production, of course. But provided that you get um, fail-open network modules uh, or bypass-capable network modules when you purchase your, your firepower sensor, uh, we can actually fail so that we fail open if, if power is lost. That's really cool. Awesome. What, what else? Uh, what other use cases might someone need to be aware of? Sure. You know, one of the things I'd like to introduce... Um, even though it's not specific to this model, is that all the Firepower platforms, to some extent, are managed by the Firepower Management Center. Um, Just for purposes of the podcast, I feel like we should be clear about some verbiage. Uh, Before the Cisco acquisition, the uh, Firepower Management Center was known as the Defense Center. Uh, In version 5.4, after the acquisition, this was called the Firesight Management Center. But if we use the term firepower management center, defense center, or management center, we're actually referring to the same thing. And moving forward, uh, we're all using firepower management center in, in 6.0 uh, to move forward. Okay, so when we just say FMC for purposes of this broadcast, the, the listeners out there can just assume either one of those three, right? That's correct. Okay, awesome. Uh, that was confusing to me a few months back when we were mm-hmm. kind of, or I guess a, a couple years ago, as we were trying to decipher all the nomenclature. So just want to keep it simple for you guys. FMC is a off-box management center that you're using to manage some type of firewire. I remember when the device. acquisition was announced and all of us real quick, you know, I'm sure internal searches for SourceFire were like, you know, through the roof. But it was neat, like browse around the website, like, oh man, we get to integrate all this stuff. It's exciting times to be in the security tech. It was great, so... So what are some uh, gotchas, Ben, uh, for those who are running uh, these appliances? You know, if we continue to sell the uh, seven and 8,000 series sensors and are going to support them for a very long time because they fulfill a niche that's going to be needed for quite a while. Um, but one of the caveats is that these sensors run the firepower code, uh, it, which existed prior to the acquisition, and we're going to continue to develop but these sensors will not be able to run Firesight Threat Defense, uh, which is that new code which has the combined ASA and Firepower features. And we're going to talk about that Firepower Threat Defense operating system a little bit later. The other thing is if you need advanced routing features and you don't want to deploy this sensor as a bump in the wire, you're probably better off using either Firepower Threat Defense or an ASA with Firepower services installed on a service module. Now, why do you say that they're better off doing that versus running it in sort of layer three mode? You know, to be candid with our customers, I think that the ASA routing functionality is a lot more mature, just given the fact that it came out of Cisco and that the routing code in the ASA, um, at least in part, came from iOS. So 
it's it's been supported for many many years and it's just much more mature yeah and it's very feature rich Mm -hmm. so i mean yeah definitely okay so there are a couple things that are common to all firepower platforms about troubleshooting uh and it's it's good to introduce them here just because uh, most of these features are still going to be common and available on the later platforms we're going to touch on so when if we want to inspect a given flow one of the really cool features that we have is called a firewall engine debug. Yeah, and it's a really cool uh, interactive uh, wizard you can actually use right on the CLI of a Firepower device. But effectively what you do is you type in uh, whether it's UDP or TCP traffic, and then you have the ability to specify a source or destination network or port. And if you don't know this information, you can wildcard it, of course, as well. And then as the traffic ingresses into the IPS, the system will give you a readout of what it, it is actually doing with the uh, individual flow. So is this like packet tracer on the ESA? Is this a packet capture? What, what, are we, what is the data and what's generating it that we're looking at with this debug? Sure, that's a great question. So it's similar to packet tracer in a way, but you know it actually requires that we have production or, or at least a copy of the traffic ingressing into the box. So... With Packet Tracer on the ASA, if you're familiar with that, you come up with information about a fictitious flow and it tells you how it's going to evaluate against the ASA rule set. Whereas with this, um, you will actually specify information about a flow, such as a source or destination. And then when the traffic comes through, it'll let you know what the system is doing. So a real, really, a really good use case for this would be URL. Um, filtering, for example. So, you know, let's say a, you type in a source and destination IP address, and as the flow comes in, the firepower device is able to see the HTTP get. And we see that the customer or the, the computer is going to Amazon.com. The firewall engine debug should tell you that the customer is going to a shopping site, and then it'll allow you to, to make a uh, disposition based on that category. I see. So, if I'm a user and one of my customers is saying, or you know, one of my clients on the inside network is saying, "Hey, I can't get to website X," I could run this debug, put his IP address in as the source to filter out all the noise, have him go to the website, and then see exactly which rule in the in the uh, you know configured in Firepower Management Center he might be hitting. That's correct, and it'll actually run you down all the different access control rules in your access control policy, and it'll tell you I did or did not match any given rule. Oh, okay. So that makes it a lot more simple. I know that uh, in our in the CX days, you know, you could do that in the GUI, but it was a little difficult through the CLI to really find those matches. So that's a, it's a great troubleshooting feature. Um, Is this a troubleshooting feature that mostly the TAC would use, or would, do we see our are and customers using this on their own to solve their own problems or a little bit of both? So it's a little bit of both. You know, this tool was introduced um, at the request of TAC. And now that customers have seen TAC use it, uh, they're using it now yep. as well. Which they're like, is, hey, what are you doing there? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. and it's great. You know, um, it's a great troubleshooting tool. And the customers on the box, so if they want to use that troubleshooting tool, um, all the power to them. Excellent. Well, thanks, Ben, for giving us that overview of the 7000, 8000 series appliance. You know, as a, as a very brief recap, you know, Ben was just telling us about how if you want an IPS and you want to run it in line sort of as a bump in the wire uh, and you are familiar with the Firepower code, that one may be for you. Uh, next, we're going to jump into the Cisco ASA with the Firepower services running on top of it as a module. 
Uh, ben and I are going to tag team this one along with Jay here as we kind of talk through, you know, what codes it runs, et cetera, and, you know, what the use cases are, how you manage it, all of those good things. So jumping right into it, you know, this platform, it runs what the ASA and the Sourcefire code. Uh, as, as Jay was mentioning earlier, it's just an ASA platform that has a separate uh, SFR module that runs as a virtual machine on top of it. And uh, we can use things like ASA modular policy framework to redirect traffic to the module. And what is so great about that, Ben? I really like this deployment methodology because of the solid line between the ASA and the firepower module for troubleshooting. So especially in the TAC, we like that. Yes. Yeah, we really like that. So if there is an issue with uh, performance or traffic loss or something along those lines, and we want to quickly be able to rule out the firepower, what we could actually do is using the ASA uh, MPF or module policy framework, disable the redirect to the module. Uh, Or we can disable the redirect to the module just for certain traffic specified in an ACL. And if the problem persists, then we know the issue is not caused by the, the module. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. So, you know, those of you who've worked with TAC before, you probably do it yourself. You know, if you if you ever thought the Cisco IPS, the, the legacy IPS or the CX or the CSC module, if you ever thought that was causing a problem, you always had that option just to modify the ACL and take out the test host, see if the problem persists, and we can do that on this platform. So that is a very good quick way to troubleshoot and determine whether or not it might be snort or the firepower service module that is affecting the traffic in the way that you're trying to troubleshoot. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning also that in this deployment, the two OSs are running on different kernels, right? So we said that before, but it's worth saying again that these are two different like OS instantiations. They do not share the same memory space. They do not even share the same you know, CPU space. They, they kind of do. If you run show version on your ASA, like on your 5525 or 5545, you'll see that the hardware has, say, four cores available to it. But then next to the ASA line, it'll say that it has one core. And that's because those other three cores are reserved for that module that you may install, something like the source fire module. And we give it those extra three cores because it's doing so much more advanced processing that it needs that CPU horsepower. So um, those cores aren't something that you can allocate, that you can choose how they're allocated because, again, I mean, whether you have the module installed or not, if you are running an ASA 5525, we want it to have the same performance characteristics as every other ASA 5525 out there. So that's why we don't let you mix and match. But you know, some people are confused about why they see that there's four cores, but then only one in use by the ASA, and that's because the other three are reserved for the optional module. Great note, Jay. So, for use case, from a use case perspective, if you are, if you're migrating from something like a traditional Cisco IPS device, or if you already have ASAs in your environment, this is an easy way to introduce IPS functionality or next-gen IPS functionality, I should say with no additional hardware expenditures. Uh, This provides a migration path for customers who may already have the CX module installed, as an example, or who are uh, wanting to migrate from a CSC module, Um, although in that case you're running an older platform, so you would still need to upgrade to a newer ASA platform to uh, run the firepower services on top of it. But the bottom line is, even if you did have to uh, upgrade your hardware platform, it's, it's very similar from a functionality perspective. So it makes for an easy migration for those types of users. 
So if we want to manage the ASA with Firepower services, uh, you have lots of options, and this can this can be a little confusing for some people. Uh, for those of for those of you who are familiar with managing ASAs, you can still manage the ASA with ASDM or the CLI, uh, as as many of you are very accustomed to doing. Um, ben, wh- how can we manage the SFR if it's running in this ASA with Firepower Services mode? So at a high level, we really have two different options to how we manage the Firepower module. Uh, the first and most common is going to be our Firepower Management Center. And this is most frequently or most commonly deployed as a virtual machine, but we also have hardware management centers you can deploy. And what's convenient about the Management Center is that you install and, and deal with all your licensing on the Management Center, and you're, you register all your different Firepower sensors, including these Firepower modules in the ASA to the Management Center. And then the management center is responsible for both pushing policy down to the modules and for receiving events from the modules as well. Fantastic. And, and what are some of the things that we want to keep in mind uh, for the OnBox option? I know that uh, you know you, you briefly mentioned OnBox. Uh, are there any sort of gotchas or things that we should keep in mind if we, just, if we decide to go that route for management? Sure. So OnBox... Uh, at least initially has been for smaller customers who have the need to push a policy but not collect as much event data. And what OnBox means is that as opposed to having a dedicated management center, you manage the sensor with a effectively a management center which is built in to the sensor software. How does this work for things like uh, failover? Uh, is there any way to sort of synchronize the config since it's normally done from FMC to both the devices? No, there is not. So if you if you have a failover pair of ASA firewalls with SFR modules in each of them, the recommendation is to go with a firepower management center so that you can push the same policies to both respective modules. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That uh, reminds me of the, the Prime or Prism days where... If you had CX modules and you you were managing them individually, you just had to make sure every time you made any policy change, you had to do it on both devices, or else you were in for some uh, unexpected uh, traffic, you know, uh, ramifications if you ever had a failover. Uh, very cool. So, are are there any real gotchas uh, regarding this platform, or uh, you know, anything in particular that that people would need to keep in mind, or is this just a, a pretty good op uh, migration path for those uh, who are already running IPS, CX, etc. You know, it is probably my favorite platform to troubleshoot from just because I like the ASA and I like working with the Firepower module as well. Uh, One thing I will say is that the OnBox definitely has fewer features uh, than a fully-fledged Firepower Management Center. So we're not going to go into those just because they're constantly adding and and migrating more features into OnBox. But, um, you know, if you're a small business and you're debating whether to do a Firepower Management Center or OnBox, it definitely uh, recommend doing a little research and seeing what the latest information is. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Jay, what are some of the, the key troubleshooting, you know, running this platform, it, we, one of the things we really want to do during this episode is to help our listeners understand sort of the key highlights on how to approach a problem or how to troubleshoot on a particular platform. Could you br- briefly just go over some of the steps that someone want, want want to do as they are trying to identify what's happening with some traffic going through this box? Sure. I mean, in your mind, you need to think about simplifying the config down to what is the ingress interface of the ASA that should be receiving the traffic, and then where do we expect the packet to egress the ASA? ASA? Um, 
a lot of people like to blame the firewall. It doesn't matter what, what vendor you've got. They blame the firewall, and so your first task would probably be to prove the capture enters the firewall. So you could do that with a packet capture. Um, you could also trace that captured packet to say, okay, what did the ASA side of, um, of this device do with that packet? So you can verify with that that the ASA took it, um, it processed the packet, passed through the ACL, checks it, uh, you know, NAT was performed on it, and then it was redirected to the source fire module. Now at that point, you, you do lose uh, visibility into that packet. We actually, you know, physically hand the packet off and then receive it back. So um, the, your next step, if the packet tracer shows we would have passed that packet to source fire, is you could capture the packet coming back from the module. The Probably the easiest thing to do is just to verify that it egresses that egress interface with a capture on the outbound direction for that for that egress interface. So just you know follow that packet that it enters and leaves the ASA. If it doesn't leave the ASA but it entered, check your syslogs, check your packet tracer outputs and verify that it was sent to the source fire module, check your syslogs and things like that. Um, one other thing is that you can verify the state of the software module. So what what do we want to always see or how do I know if the source fire module installed on the ASA is working correctly? What do I do? So I, I can answer that question. Uh, there's a command on the ASA you can use, which is called show module SFR detail. And this will prevent, this will show you some very good output with respect to whether the module is up, meaning whether the operating system is up and whether it's exchanging keep alives with the ASA, as well as whether the data plane or snort is up and whether traffic is arriving from the ASA and then being inspected and being sent back to the ASA. You know, I can also pick up a little bit with uh, where we left off. So you you followed the path of the packet through the ASA, and you've concluded that it's going to the firepower module. Uh, one of the things you can actually do to verify this is using the show con command or show connections. And if the output for a given flow has a capital X next to it, then it shows that that particular flow was sent to the firepower module. Now, once you're on the module, uh, which you can SSH to directly, there are a couple things you can do to see what's going on with the traffic. There's that uh, system support firewall engine debug command that we already talked about. You can also log all connections. Uh, this is very handy when troubleshooting back to your firepower management center. So you can see which access control rule or IPS rule uh, a given piece of traffic hit. And then finally, very similar to the ASA, we also have the ability to do a packet capture on the module itself. Okay, so so just reviewing real quickly then, as you were mentioning, Jay, first thing you want to do, as with most firewall-related firewall issues, is just make sure the packet is arriving. Uh, make sure that uh, the packet is arriving and that it is also leaving. And we find that the packet is arriving but not leaving, then we take the steps that Jay had mentioned along with Ben, and that is if we do see the traffic getting redirected to the module, we can then troubleshoot using your standard source fire snort troubleshooting methodologies that you have that we mentioned earlier. You've got multiple spots to capture traffic on the ASA and on the SFR. And, uh, and lastly, if you wanted a quick method to determine whether or not snort uh, is, or I should say the source fire, the firepower module is causing the latency or droppage, whatever problem you're troubleshooting, you can quickly exempt that traffic from the modular policy framework, reinitialize re the connection, make sure that it does not get redirected uh, using the Shokan pipe IX, etc. And uh, you can troubleshoot that way to quickly determine what's happening with the traffic. All right. Uh, thank you guys very much. Next, we're going to jump into the 
Cisco Firepower 9300 and 4100 FXOS series platforms. So these are the newer hardware platforms and this FXOS or Firepower extensible subsystem or operating system that it runs are, are new for a lot of people. Uh, what are, Jay, what is, what is the, what is this FXOS thing? And does it really have any impact on how the ASA works or how Firepower works on it? Sure. So the 9300 and the 4100 series are the hardware designator. That is the platform uh, that you purchase. And it's, um, these are our next gen sort of extremely very high powered, you know, hardware platforms. And, um, to make these platforms more, you know, future proof, modular, whatever you want to say, and, you know, allow for next gen services. Um, there's an underlying operating system that runs called FXOS. And that is sort of the hypervisor, if you will, that allows, um, these other platforms to run on top of it. So ASA is an application that runs on top of FXOS. Snort is an application that could run. Um, we could run any number of different applications. I think one of the coolest parts, though, is that um, you know the ability to maybe have the FXOS platform software sort of stitch together a flow and and um, designate how traffic should flow between the different modules at that level based on the traffic traffic type. So, you know, it's it's an extensible future-proof OS that allows us to run all these different applications now on one box and do some smarter things with them as it does it. And just to add on to that, in terms of use case or, you know, is the 9300 for you, is the 4100 for you right now, the 9300 platform is the largest platform that we sell. Uh, that's geared towards very large enterprises and service provider uh, grade in terms of overall throughput required. Uh, 4100 is more geared towards enterprise uh, gear. It's uh, you would migrate to that from your 5555 platforms, perhaps your 5585-10, uh, et cetera. Um, there's also the ability to do ASA inter chassis clustering. That's for, for scalability reasons. If a 5585 SSP 60 was too small for you, uh, even with the new clustering abilities, you can now cluster many of these 9300 platforms. Um, each one would have three different uh, ASA blades in it, and each one of those blades are more powerful than the SSP60. So you can have up to 16 of those um, uh, spread across six different 9300 chassis. Um, so that is an option for you uh, if you just need massive amounts of throughput. Yeah, and these things are beasts. Um, if I look now at... A, I'm looking at an ASA from the lab running on a Firepower, Firepower 9300. This ASA has 232 gigabytes of RAM and 72 CPU cores. Right. Yeah, and that's um, yeah. And we have the the larger uh, blades coming out too, the 44 core. So soon you're going to have 44 multi-core processors in one blade, and you'll have three of those blades in each 9300 chassis. And then you can have five plus chassis all clustered together as a single logical firewall. So when you do all the math, you're in the multiple terabit uh, range of total throughput. So really taking the ASA platform to the next level in terms of total available throughput in a single logical unit. I remember the first time I was on a lab device and I ran show interface and it said interface internal zero zero, which is the interface from the ASA down to the FXOS. And it had, yeah, I thought it was a bug. It wasn't. It, we actually show all 72 different receiverings and the number of packets they process. It's crazy. So uh, it's an exciting platform. It's exciting. Yeah, it can be a little overwhelming. You know, when we get 
you know, cases. But, but where it's that same ASA that it's mm-hmm. even from uh, ASA 5505. I mean, you use the same, a lot of the same troubleshooting principles. Yeah. And for me, from a firepower perspective, what I found most difficult was wrapping my head around the fact that FXOS and the 4300 and the 9300s aren't the actual security software. They're a hypervisor or platform onto which you can install multiple uh, security applications. That is uh, a great point to drive home, Ben. Uh, Just a couple examples of those applications you can run. As of today, you can install the ASA application and run it. And once you have that up and running, it works just like any other ASA, as Jay was mentioning. Uh, And when we talk about troubleshooting, we'll tell you a little bit more of the nuances of how those two interact. So you've got your ASA, you've got Firepower Threat Defense, which we're going to talk more in detail about that application uh, as a separate topic after we finish FXOS. And then we've got this uh, platform or this application called Radware Virtual Defense Pro, otherwise known as VDP, and that is for DDoS protection. So prior to this, Cisco did not have a sort of specialized offering uh, specifically for distributed denial of service attacks. So we've partnered up with Radware to run this VDP Pro on the uh, FXOS platform, the 9300 platform specifically. So that's something you want to keep in mind if you need high, very high-end DDoS protection um, and you need to integrate it with a Cisco-provided solution. So from a management perspective, there are a few things that, that you guys would all want to keep in mind when you're going to manage an FXOS platform if you're implementing one in your environment. And that is this new concept of Firepower Chassis Manager. So this is going to be separate from the FMC that you might use or whether you're using CSM for the ASA, ASDM, etc. Apart from all of that, you're also going to have Firepower Chassis Manager. Now, Jay, what would be the best way to describe Firepower Chassis Manager and what it does? Um, it's it's When you take this uh, Firepower 9300 to your data center and plug it in, um, the first thing you have to do is sort of set up the interfaces on the front of the box and what application they are going to be connected to. So you can have a few of your interfaces connected to the ASA, another few interfaces connected to, say, your... Um, Radware Virtual Defense Center Pro, VDP. And to do all of that, you have to set it up. Well, that's what you would use this application piece of application software for. If you're just using this for ASA, uh, m- for most customers, it's going to be kind of a set it and forget it thing, right? So you're going to um, install your ASA software from this interface. You assign interfaces to it, and then you can just walk away, right? Um, and, and at that point, you're... you're devices configured to get traffic to that ASA application, and it works just fine. Now, when are times uh, you might need to come back to this management software? Uh, when you need to upgrade the ASA, for example, or you want to change the interfaces, that's when you would come to this application. For the most part, once you get it set up, um, you're done. Okay. So chassis manager is somewhere where you would go to, say, assign physical interfaces on the chassis to the ASA itself. Um, things like if you want to set up a port channel between the 9300 or 4100 and then adjacent 6500 or Nexus switch, those are things where you would go in to Chassis Manager or via the CLI and uh, adjust the configuration on the interfaces to establish those port channels. You then can use Chassis Manager to assign those to your ASA instance or your Firepower Threat Defense instance. And then as Jay mentioned, typically once you have that configured, it's going to be primarily static and you can kind of Mm -hmm. leave it as is. I misspoke earlier. I said you could install Snort, but the standalone Snort appliance is not supported on this platform. 
just firepower threat defense, which uh, we're going to talk about next. Yep. So, uh, so that's the that's the big gotcha and uh, and thing that people just need to keep in mind in regards to uh, chassis manager and the fact that it really is just a platform. As we mentioned, we, we liken it to a hypervisor. Uh, it is just a way where you assign interfaces. You, um, you know, one of the things that we've seen that might be valuable uh, is that sometimes when doing ASA clustering and things of that nature, you know, getting the port channels up with the Nexus device or or whatever switch is adjacent to it. Uh, you have to have an ASA in the blade uh, or in the chassis, as an example, for the port channels to actually come up. So uh, just a few things. They are listed in the documentation, but you, you want to be aware of as you're, as you're spinning these things up in your environment. So I think the 9300 platform is another um, example of some technology that we could do a deep dive on and do a whole 30-minute or an hour episode on just troubleshooting that. Absolutely. For the most part, it works just fine, uh, but... Troubleshooting it, there are some nuances to it, so we could uh, we could do a show on that. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, the definitely merits its own show. Uh, so you know, obviously due to time constraints, we're keeping it relatively high level. Just a couple quick things you would want to know: uh, there are a lot of different scopes and sub CLIs in FXOS, so it can be a little bit daunting, a little bit difficult to navigate for new users, uh, even for some tech engineers. You know, as we were first testing this out, you know, there's various scopes and connect local management and connect FXOS when you're going to troubleshoot it via the CLI. Try not to be too intimidated by that. Uh, we are working to improve documentation and things of that nature to make but it a little bit more user friendly. you shouldn't have to go, right? I mean, in theory, you can do most of the work start to finish just from the chassis manager. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, you really only need the CLI usually just to set up your management IP address. Okay. And then from there, you can connect using HTTPS to your firepower chassis manager and do the rest from the GUI. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Uh, for for the average, you know, deployment, you can do all the bootstrapping. But we do love our CLI. And, CLI. Yeah, uh, you know, at Intac here, we always we always want to dig into the CLI. But yes, for for the vast majority of cases, you can spin up the FXOS subsystem using the setup CLI. And then once that's done, you can do all the deployment via chassis manager. However, if you do find that you're having management interface connectivity issues or, or some other issues and really want to dig down and troubleshoot it, you will find that um, the CLI, uh, it can be a little difficult to find where you need to, where you need to go. So just be, be wary of that and, and, uh, and be ready for it. If you decide to try and troubleshoot it that way, or you can always open a tech case and we can help guide you. Ask in for the right Kevin direction. or Ben. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, just some other uh, another thing to note: you're not going to be able to run the the NGIPS or the firepower code on this platform. It only runs firepower threat defense uh, when you're talking about firepower functionality. As we mentioned, it does run ASA, but it will not run the firepower code by itself. It's only going to run the converged code of firepower threat defense. Uh, it does add a little bit uh, an additional layer of complexity for troubleshooting. As we mentioned, now you do have this platform that is divvying up interfaces to applications that run on top of it in these security blades. So there is an additional layer of complexity when you're troubleshooting, as we mentioned. Um, and then the, the fail to wire capability for hardware bypass. That's just a thing to know. It's not really a caveat. Um, but in FX FXOS 201, we now have the fail to wire uh, capability in our module. So you can uh, leverage the functionality that Ben was mentioning earlier, uh, where you can actually lose power to the entire chassis and traffic will continue to flow in line as if the link never even flapped at a layer from a layer one perspective. So uh, that obviously doesn't work with the ASA running on top of it. But if you're running firepower threat defense in 
inline mode, Correct. then you can have things like a, an entire chassis power failure and it will have no impact on your traffic. That's right. And, you know, one other cool little caveat there is that you don't actually need the chassis to lose power if you want to disable the redirect of the traffic or if you want to engage that bypass, that's something that you can do during troubleshooting. If you're running into issues during deployment or setup, there's faults and errors, as Jay was mentioning, uh, in Chassis Manager. You can I would always advise doing checking Chassis Manager first. Try not to dive into the CLI unless needed. So if you cannot figure out the problem via Chassis Manager, I would advise opening up a TAC case and uh, letting TAC help you out with that. What's one of our common TAC cases we get? I mean, we only see problems in the TAC, so, but what, what are, what's an example of something like that for the 9300 hardware specifically that we get in? From what I've seen so far, a lot of them seem to be uh, things like LACP negotiation. You know, whether, whether they've got an inter-chassis cluster and one of the chassis doesn't have any ASAs in the cluster, mm. so it doesn't actually send out LACP packets because we don't want to black hole traffic if we're doing span ether channel. Uh, things like that. Uh, there's also, we've had some interop issues where um, LACP wasn't negotiating correctly, you know, on the other end. With uh, certain model switches. I mean, but, you know, it should work. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I had a case just the other day where we had, uh, we had a port channel connected from an 8390 firepower directly to a 9300. Hmm. And as, as Ben was mentioning earlier, the, the sort of layer two capabilities of the, of the firepower code are, are not quite as advanced, and there there's some features, things like what they call lag, link, ag- uh, link aggregation, link aggregation um, you know, that uses LACP. Uh, it's not always that stable when they run them in switch mode. So in this case, we had a 9300 inter-chassis cluster co- directly connected to these 80, 8390s, sort of as an IPS on a stick, and every once in a while, that port channel would drop for some reason. And it's still under investigation, but that would actually cause all the ASAs in the chassis get kicked out of the cluster. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and so it, it made it very interesting. But if you go and try and troubleshoot LECP uh, on the 9300, that's when you would have to go into, you know, kick the FSOS and, gotcha. yeah, and do some, do some uh, NXOS style show commands for like show LECP interface X, etc. Okay. So to finish up with the FXOS section here, we just want to reiterate some key troubleshooting methodology steps to you guys. Um, as we mentioned, you know, always keep in mind that the FXOS is a hardware platform and that that has interfaces that you can assign to your different applications that run on it. Deployment setup issues, check in chassis manager. There are faults and errors there that will lead you in the right direction. Make sure that all your security modules are up and operational. Again, you can check that in chassis manager. And then we have this other feature that is very useful that TAC really spearheaded in getting the functionality implemented. And tell us a little bit about that, Magnus. So, um, as you probably all know, TAC loves, lives, breathes, and dies by the hands of packet captures. They are the written word of packets on the wire. And in this kind of 9300 topology, we still have those. And the key here is we needed those. Originally, when we were looking at this capability on the MIO, for example, uh, to capture packets on ingress, um, there was a lot of discussion about whether or not we would be able to get this into the initial releases, into the initial capabilities of the platform. We stood fast as TAC engineers because we know that you, our customers, our listeners, uh, are very, very interested in being able to troubleshoot your own problems, and captures do that for you. So uh, this is what I would call a TAC win uh, in the sense that we stood our ground and we got packet capture capabilities for through-the-box traffic um, on the 9300. Uh, and you can ensure that traffic is actually reaching your box by using the capture functionality on the MIO. Captures on ingress on the different ports associated to the box. 
Thank you very much. Uh, just a key item to make sure that it is very clear. You can only capture ingress currently on the internal switch ports on the MIO. Very great feature, but just be, be advised that you only can capture as the packets come in. Yeah, requires just a little bit of uh, extra thinking in order to ensure that you are getting both directions of your flow. Um, again, it is a tack win, but we're still fighting that battle. There are some implementation hurdles to get over in order to try and uh, you know get a bi-directional capability. But uh, at least we've got ingress, and that helps prove 99% of the time whether or not the problem's in the network or on the 9300. Absolutely. And that is a battle that never ends. And we, TAC, are here to help fight that battle for you, the customer, as we move forward with this uh, evolution of this product. So last but not least, we're going to jump into the Firepower Threat Defense Platform. Uh, Long-awaited, this is sort of the evolution of the source fire acquisition uh, into the Cisco product family. We've got the ASA, we've got Firepower. Now we are bringing the two together. Yeah, actually, at, at Cisco Live, a lot of customers came up to us asking about Firepower Threat Defense and what it's all about. They, you know, it's this new kind of concept. Uh, I like to think of it as a Firepower device and an ASA having a baby together. Uh, and it's this weird amalgamation of the of gene pools Magnus. in both. I know, yeah. my brain is weird that way. Um, but the best way that you know I can kind of describe it in one simple concept is it's the drivetrain of an ASA with the car chassis of Firepower on top of it. Because that's really the kind of interaction you have between these two capabilities. Interesting analogy, yeah. but I like it. I, I buy it. Works. it. I buy it. It works. So this Firepower Threat Defense platform is for customers who really want a single solution. That is to provide firewall and NGIPS functionality in a single image. So this is a software package that is supported on the ASA 5506 to 5555 platforms. So that's your mid, your lower to mid-range ASA platforms. It is supported, as we mentioned, on the FXOS 4100 and 9300 platforms. Uh, that is version 601 and later, so don't try to run 600 on those platforms, but otherwise you should be fine. Uh, and it is also supported on various virtual platforms, including VMware that we support today. So there's lots of different ways that you can run this Firepower Threat Defense, uh, what we call converged platform, ASA plus the SFR module in a single image. So from a management perspective, Ben, you want to talk us through how do we manage this new beast we've created? Sure. So nothing's new in this sense, uh, which is great if you're a Firepower customer today. So you can use your same or existing Firepower Management Center, uh, which is running 601 or greater to manage a Firepower Threat Defense device. And, you know, just to, to reiterate one more time, if you've been running ASA with SFR, you've been running two different operating systems. So you've been running the ASA operating system, and then you've been running the Firepower operating system. And two on the different module. management um, solutions. That's correct. Yeah, two different management solutions as well. For this functionality under Firepower Threat Defense, you replace the ASA operating system with an image which contains both the ASA and the Firepower code in a single operating system. So one kernel, both functionalities. Yes, correct. <laughs> I'm bringing it back to the uh, kernel thing yeah. I talked Jay about. Jay likes kernels. Oh, I can yeah. do a great analogy for what this is like now. It's like a car. No, a better than that. Beforehand, imagine that the ASA and the source fire module were neighbors, and there was a door between their two apartments. 
They could reach one another, and that's how you handed packets across a data plane, the door between the two. But we've remodeled this building in order to bring the two rooms together and create a much more spacious studio apartment yeah. for your uh, filtering and firewall So one door gets you access to both the functionalities. Exactly. You can get in through one door and you get you out through the You deliver packets like the mail. Yep, same idea. Both One looks at the mail and then he hands the mail to the other yep. guy. One, one them, address. Yep, there's only one letter opener and that's on the firewall side. And, and then that hands the data over to the source fire side of the house, the firepower side, and uh, does the reading of the mail. I mean, this analogy can go on forever. But the idea is that we are breaking down the barrier between the two. I see. And when you leave the stove on and you burn down your house, you lose the entire neighborhood. <laughs> the that's actually time. also a valid way to look at it as well. If you unplug it the whole thing goes i mean like what uh, you can go as deep as you want pros and cons pros and cons so some other things that you'll want to keep in mind with the firepower threat defense platform is the converged cli i think ben you you hinted at this a moment ago um, about how we now have one cli and, and jay you mentioned one kernel uh, we do all our configuration through firepower management center now the gui the user the gui interface. that's right firepower management center web interface now Huge thing to note here. There is no more config mode for the ASA via CLI. Bum, bum, bum. This is a major adjustment. So for, you know, as, as we in TAC, we're going to test this pro product. You know, we're ConfT, you know, trying to enable logging and do things to do quick troubleshooting. And, you know, that is a little bit different now because you still have all the ASA show commands through the converged CLI. Or if you go into uh, system support diagnostics, uh, you can go into uh, the ASA CLI and, and run commands, but you cannot do anything in ConfT. So as an example, if you do need to turn on informational or debug level logging, you will have to do that from FMC and then deploy that config change. You can still do show commands. You can still run captures um, and things of that nature and debugs, but you will not be able to do config changes and, or troubleshooting. You know, Kevin, this is a little bit of a paradigm shift for many customers, but I don't think we've talked about one of the major benefits of using the management center to push all your policy. And the first thing is you can ensure that all your security devices have the same policy, so it's always going to be up to date. Uh, another big benefit is that you can push updates from your management center, so you can confirm that all your remote devices, say they're at retail locations or remote spokes, are all running the correct software version. And then finally is backups. Because the management center is pushing policy, if something happened to a sensor, say you know you had a power issue and it, it destroyed one of the sensor's hardware and you had to replace it, all you have to do is get your new sensor registered to the management center and push policy. So all that's there built into this model by means of the fact that you have a centralized management platform. Yep, and we kept um, the troubleshooting tools that we know and love on the ASA. So you can, like like, like uh, Kevin said, you can still get to the ASA CLI and run show commands, packet captures. Um, this is one of the reasons why you would use captures on the ASA with the match argument and not with an access list because... Um, you know, it's very easy and quick to do that without having to go into config mode. So you can still run packet tracer, right? Um, so the fundamental tools that you know and love on the ASA for troubleshooting problems when you're uh, in a pinch can still be used on firepower threat defense. So that's a, that's a great thing. So just a couple of things we will want to call out as well. Um, and that is, as you guys, you know, are aware just from this, this episode that we're doing here today, the firepower threat defense is a product that's still very much maturing in regards to uh, harnessing the full all of the features that the ASA has uh, 
has had developed over the years. So uh, there are some features and key ASA functionality that is still on the roadmap uh, as of the time of this broadcast. Um, that is included, but not limited to things like remote access VPN, multi-context firewalling, ASA clustering, um, and some other items uh, that we'll have in the, sh in the show notes for you. Uh, but just this is something, the reason we call this out is because it's not necessarily a platform you want to jump to just because it's the latest and greatest thing. You'll wanna, you will want to look at key ASA functionality if you're running the ASA that you're using today and determine whether or not all of that is already uh, being leveraged and made available to you via FMC. And that is the big limit, limiting factor here, right? Because we're no longer able to configure the device via CLI. So all the different... Uh, pieces of functionality that we need to configure now have to be exposed through Firepower Management Center. So um, as that is ongoing, um, and it is ongoing, uh, you'll see these other ASA uh, features and functionality that you're used to become available in Firepower Threat Defense. So if I've got an existing ASA deployment and I'm heavily using uh, remote access VPN, multi-context clustering, you know, some of these uh, ASA features that are not available in Firepower Threat Defense, what do I do? Well, for today, I, you know, I would say that you probably want to stick with something like ASA with Firepower Services. Awesome. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you could migrate, you could add that, tap on, attack on that module and introduce the snort filtering capability, source fire capabilities there. And then when your features are available, which hopefully they will be soon, uh, migrate to Firepower Threat Defense. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it really all depends on where you are today. If you have nothing in your environment from an ASA or Firepower perspective, and you're looking for a single unified image that is going to have a lot of staying power in that it is the future um, and, and the focus right now for Cisco security from an IPS and firewall perspective, then you would go with Firepower Threat Defense, no question. Um, in your situation, Jay, though, you probably would make sense uh, sticking with Firepower, ASA with Firepower Services on it. So we just want to mention that there, there are some differences in how the ASA pushes traffic to snort using memory rings. And uh, there are some show, show commands that we'll have in the show notes for you that you can use to determine whether or not there's oversubscription between the ASA and the firepower code. We'll go into more of this troubleshooting because it gets pretty deep pretty quick. So we will, uh, we'll plan to have another episode later on where we'll go over a little bit more detail about how you can troubleshoot uh, between the ASA and the firepower code on the firepower threat defense platform itself. Any other thoughts, guys? Uh, we're just about uh, ready to wrap up this episode. We've got we've talked about these four different platforms, some of the use cases, some of the management caveats, some things to know, some gotchas. You know why you would use one over the other. You know, kind of just briefly, what's on the roadmap? Uh, any other any other last minute items we want to cover before we wrap things up for our listeners today? I think in the show notes we'll sh we'll show all four platforms, right? And just the bit bullets of here's where you go to learn here here's what it is and here's where you go to learn more and that'll help you um if you re-listen to the episode or you can bring that up beforehand um just keep straight all these different fire power threat fire source you know things are mm -hmm. um, once you understand the basic architectures then it's much easier to keep them straight and understand the direction that we're going with these appliances but um yeah no i think it's an exciting it's it's really it's it's nice technology. It's wonderful to see the best of both worlds combining and turning into a really really solid platform that's more powerful than it could have been um, with the two uh, platforms separate. So, and one thing I will mention as we get ready to wrap up here is as we do realize it's been several months since the last podcast. So uh, <sighs> we have plans in place to rectify that situation. Uh, and we hope to be producing a lot uh, a lot more episodes for you on a more regular basis. So 
uh, between Ben, Jay, myself, and Magnus. Uh, we, uh, we've already got some other episodes in the works. I know Jay and Magnus were working on it at length with some of the other technology teams last week at Cisco Live. Mm-hmm. And so we will, uh, we will be producing some more episodes for you. So stay tuned. Keep, uh, keep checking back to the Cisco Tax Security Podcast page, and uh, we'll have more episodes for you soon. And, and Twitter and Facebook, actually, because we started uh, posting uh, yes. video, short video troubleshooting guides and things. So you'll see videos on ICE and videos on ASA troubleshooting to start with. Absolutely. Yeah, make, be sure to go like our page. Uh, Magnus, uh, I saw that you were just looking at the Tax Security Podcast page on Facebook. Uh, what do they need to know about that, Magnus? Uh, well, we figure social media is the greatest thing in the world. And uh, actually, Facebook has been a great way for us to uh, live stream some things from time to time and a pretty good uh, sounding board I saw for his. ideas. Actually, one thing uh, we may be doing in the future is before we record an episode, we'll post about it on our Facebook feed. And you can post questions there related to that topic. And then usually around this point in the episode, we will gather around our microphones and we will answer those questions. Give you a little shout out if you happen to put your name there, which inevitably you will because it's Facebook. We know who you are. That's the plan. So, uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing your ugly mug, Magnus, on the live feed last week when you guys were presenting. Oh, there's all of us there now. So be sure to go check out our Facebook Tax Security Podcast page. I think, well, they can just search Facebook for Cisco Tax, Tax Security, Security Pod- Podcast. Yep. Really difficult. Hopefully you guys can all figure that out. Otherwise, we hope to see you back here soon for another episode of Tax Security Podcast. From Jay, Ben, and Magnus, and myself, Kevin, your host for today. We hope you have a great one, and we'll see you back for the next podcast.